This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. We have so much to get to today that I feel like I should just keep playing early times in Cheerwine on loop the entire time, but sped up to kind of keep us going. Are you guys fans of that? We should do this whole podcast at one and a half speed. Have you ever listened to the podcast back at one and a half speed? I have. My voice sounds Not ours, but I've listened to other podcasts. Have you ever listened to our podcast at all? Yes. Okay. All right. By accident. That's Chris Nee. Uh, Cantankerous, yes, yes. Uh, and Josh Newberg is here. And Zach Blostein, in between class right now, he is a student at Florida State still, is joining us to uh, to talk about recruiting as well. Hey, fellas. What's up, Brendan? What's up, Chris? Zach? Yeah. Hi. All right. We're all, we're all here. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to get to almost exclusively on the recruiting trail. I want to go as fast and efficiently as possible with these updates here. So I'm going to stop talking. Let's get into the commits, fellas. Corey Wren commits yesterday on Sunday. Zach, you had an exclusive interview with Corey Wren. Uh, please tell us about the three-star speedster, as we like to call him on the website, from Louisiana. Yeah, so um, the interesting thing there, he took a visit uh, on the January 17th official visit weekend at Florida State. And he actually told me in the interview, um, we caught up, I think it was Wednesday of last week. He told me that he committed even before visiting. So he knew that he wanted to be at Florida state before even meeting this new coaching staff in person. He knew of them from Memphis. He had spoken to them, um, you know, in bits and pieces there, never met them in person. And he actually committed before even arriving on campus in Tallahassee. And, you know, I think he did a good job of explaining it in your scouting report. He's a speedster, but he, he's also got some serious, um, you know, other attributes. Uh, I think there was one play where he just completely runs over this this guy on the opposing team. So I think it's a good addition. He can he can play all over the field on offense, um, you know, slot receiver and running back, and then um, probably help on special teams in the return game as well. What what's his speed in the hundred meter? It was ten four one. Yes. Yeah. Ten four one, and he's he's aiming for ten two. This this track season, he's he's already starting um starting that. Ten two, if I memory serves, would be Kermit Whitfield speed. Marvin uh, Bracy range. Yes. Right. And, yeah. And obviously, there's a big difference between ten four and ten two. Doesn't sound like it, but in the track world, there is. But what I like about his game, Zach, that you mentioned the speed, and there's more elements to it than just speed. But like sometimes you have a track guy, and his speed doesn't translate over. To the football field, everything we've seen from Corey Wren, it looks like the speed uh, does indeed translate over. Yeah, I think the nice thing about him is that he's not solely a track guy who's just fast on a football field. He, If you watch that clip where they're talking about, in your scouting report, where you're talking about power, he runs through the guy, but he also sticks the foot in the ground, changes direction, accelerates well. He's got very good, quick area, quick, short area quickness. 
it's just a nice combo of ability. He can catch out of backfield. He can run out of backfield. He can line him up in the slot. A lot of versatility he brings to the offense. Uh, he reminds me of a, a shameless UCF plug here, Adrian Killings from, uh, yeah, from UCF. Yeah, kind of a Daytona similar, kid, correct. Yep, yep, but you kind of – Adrian was more un- underrated at the time, but similar types of games and that speed that translates over a guy that coach Norvell identified back when he was at Memphis. Uh, Zach had a really good quote on it. Uh, basically say that this was FSU was the right program, right coach, right time, right brand. Couldn't get him to Memphis, obviously, but you're able to get him to Florida state. I, I like the I like the commitment. Another commitment. Uh, this is one. If you're following the crystal balls, Josh put one in. Was that my, that was not my phone. It's not my phone. Not my phone. Uh, Josh put in a crystal ball for this guy last week. I did too. Uh, then a flurry of them came in today. That's three-star offensive I, tackle. I told Robert to Scott. Do it. I told me to do it. Robert Scott. He <laughs> <laughs> looks sheepish. Why I'm not sheepish? going to fall to your peer pressure. You're nothing but bad habits and <laughs> vegan. Oh my God. <laughs> I want I, real quick. I want to get cheeseburgers for us to eat on the podcast to tease them today, but I didn't have, we don't have uh, time for that. I didn't have time to stop. Ain't no time for that. We do not. So let me recap here what we're talking about. The Florida state Seminoles landed a foot commitment from three-star offensive tackle, Robert Scott. Uh, from those that know, he's the uh, big man from Conway, Arkansas, six foot five, 310 pounds. He'd been committed to Ole Miss since June 11th. Here we are just over a week out from signing day and he flips to Florida state. Uh, but really after the coaching changes at Ole Miss, he, he started to rethink his decision. He took a visit to FSU two weekends ago and he was at Arkansas just this past weekend really came down to those two. And on Monday, he was prepared to announce for Florida State. Um, Alex Atkins, offensive line coach, played a major role in this. And um, he's he adds to a really a really good list of offensive linemen coming in this year. You got Zane Herring, Thomas Schrader, Lloyd Willis, uh, Robert Scott. And then you add that group of four high school players to the graduate transfer FSU landed from FIU, Devontae Taylor. And um you got five guys coming in on this offensive front. FSU's not done just yet, but it is a uh, it's a solid start to Mike Norvell's era of recruiting offensive linemen. And Robert Scott's a tackle, like a tackle body, which we haven't seen a whole lot of in recent years. Felt like a true offensive left tackle too. Yeah, and has the upside. It, so much of the recruiting trend with offensive tackles. I think Charles Power came on the podcast almost a year ago to talk about it. Is you get the length right you get guys who are long athletic hope you add 20 30 pounds on them and see what they become uh, but scott kind of fits that bill of of a developmental guy and you see some of the things like his physicality his first step uh, a lot of technique needs to be worked on i would like Especially to see pass pro yeah exactly and that's that's going to be kind of par for the course so uh, you like what you see with him the potential but it's it's the hardest position frankly to to evaluate not just for what you know, Chris, Josh, and Zach and I do, or what the experts on our website do, but even NFL teams, the bust rate for offensive tackles is absurdly high for a reason. It's hard to project. The bigger the body, the tougher to tell to tell what it's going to do exactly. I don't know what your body's going to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would dance for me like this weekend. Uh, dance talk- for me. <laughs> there was one more commitment, a 2021 commit, uh, Joshua Farmer from Gadsden County, Havana, which, so you guys know, that's really close to Tallahassee, just north of here. So, Chris, I'm going to ask your thoughts on Joshua Farmer and, and that being the first 2021 guy for, for Coach Norvell. He's a local kid, 6'3", 250. He's from Apalachicola, but he's playing over in Gadsden County. He's a big body, thick, athletic kid. 
you know, I, I think his ceiling is really high. I would describe him right now as a guy who's capable of doing a lot, and the film's good enough that you definitely take it, especially at a position where you're going to take numbers. You're going to take probably three, four, maybe even five guys at defensive end. If at worst, Josh Farmer's your third, he's a really good third. You know, the possibility of him being a premier defensive end is there. He has some traits that can be explored, that can be developed, that can make him that. But currently, I would describe him more as kind of a mid-tier guy who has upside. And, and Zach and I had looked, watched him yesterday, and I think both of us came away thinking, like, maybe there was a potential with this frame to even get up to, like, 280 and be a, a, oh, yeah. a three-tech, possibly. And, and Wide-shouldered, big kid. Yeah, he can carry it if he needed to. But I think he can also stay more of a true strong side-type body type. He's not ranked currently. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you want to take a stab at where you think? I know we have people on the message board asking us where they thought he would end up. I know I have my thoughts, but curious to where you think uh, he ends up getting ranked when, when that first eval comes through. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, he is going to come out probably as a high three star would be my guess. I think there's some, there's a lot of potential there. He's, he's quick off the ball, but I wouldn't call him explosive. Um, he can run and chase down plays. He's also naturally strong. He, he thumps a little bit on that film and seeing him in person, I can tell there's room for development there in terms of strength and conditioning. So I talked to a college scout last night who's familiar with Joshua farmer. And he actually, he didn't say, um, that this is going to be, who he is at the next level, but he compared him to Everett Dawkins uh, saying that he might grow into an Everett Dawkins type. And I thought that was fair. Interesting. Bit of a fire hydrant who can work on the edge or on the inside, but yep. can strike, can handle the position. Also, and you mentioned this word specifically in the scouting report, he's got instincts mm-hmm. and that goes a long way with a defensive lineman where they just put themselves in the right position, make something good happen. Yeah. He's around the ball a lot. And sometimes it's tough. Some of these guys, like Corey Wren's calling card is speed, right? Like, that's yeah. that's clear. Uh, Robert Scott's strength, the thing you see when you're watching the film, is his size and the way he moves for a guy at 6'5", 3'10", at 18 years old. Farmer, it's tough to tell like, exactly what it's going to become. I don't know if that's a weakness necessarily, but that's just more of a, what's the, the cliche, like a developmental type of, type of guy. So we're all saying the same thing. He's intriguing for a variety of reasons. Uh, but not a bad first take by by any means. Yeah, and some schools were throwing out the filler offer types. A&M, Maryland, Tennessee's been involved. I don't know if they've offered, but they were working on getting him in for a junior day. So he's got some heavy hitters that were sniffing around. And you don't want to be late. And the fact that FSU kind of went on him, got him in for a junior day, took him, I don't think it's a bad thing. There's always the process that plays out. He's a local kid. You're going to have a great relationship because of proximity. So you kind of let recruitment play out as a whole. But I think it's a good take early on for a school that – Truthfully, he's going into a season where they don't know exactly what they're going to be. I, I should have set the table for this a little bit better. Uh, shocking. I'm all over the place. I'm scattered today. Farmer was at Florida State for Junior Day. I want to get into Junior Day, fellas. Uh, I want to get into the big picture of it because I know we've gotten a lot of people asking about the organization, the structure of it under Coach Mike Norvell. And we also want to get into the minutiae with all the different guys uh, that were there visiting. That included Josh Farmer, who ends up you know, resulting in commitment. Let's go kind of position by position. I'm just going to let you guys kind of riff here. Let's start off with quarterback Luke Altmeyer. I had a chance to watch his highlights. A minute and a half in, I'm sold. Like, Christine's favorite cliche, he checks every freaking box. <laughs> every freaking box other than he's six foot two. And that's, he, he's and that's a distributor it. who can throw to all portions of the field, makes quick decisions, <laughs> and has good arm strength. I love you. I don't know why he's only a three-star church boy. Like, watching his film, he's I, a high four-star. To me, right? he's an elite 11 contending okay. quarterback. 
which to me is a four-star type quarterback. He's, he's like a Sam Howell ranking, probably top yeah. 150 guy, what he should be at the end of it. But it's to, early in the process. Who, to, who talked to him? I did. Okay. To, well, actually, I believe it was me and Zach. Um, but to lay the groundwork on that one, he, he's he been involved with FSU's Dillingham and Norvell contingent dating back to their Memphis days. It's like a three-year deal with him. So he, he's been on their board for a while. He's a guy that Norvell wanted to hand deliver the offer to, which was a big moment for him. He's from Starkville. You're going to have to battle those two SEC schools. There's quite a few he can drive by on the way to Tallahassee. But FSU is going to be a player on that one. He's probably going to decide in the spring into early summer. Zach, what were your, your vibes on Luke Altmaier? He got, the, he got the offer, by the way, from Florida State in person, hand-delivered from Mike Norvell. Yeah, kind of like Chris said, I think he understands the updated or the you know like the updated QB decision decision schedule now with uh, recruiting. All these QBs are making their commitments super early on in the process, so he's going to take a couple of visits probably in March, and I'd expect the decision to come, you know, maybe in March or early April. I think Florida State's in there. I think some other schools are going to try to make a run at him, um, get him on campus during those months. But like Chris said, I think he has a really great relationship with Coach Dillingham and um, Mike Norvell. So I like where Florida State is right now. Just got to get him back on campus in, in March. Do we consider him QB1 for Florida State? Like I see atop their board right now, of obtainable guys. At this either? moment, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go to the running back position. There are a couple oh, guys. Not so fast. Oh, all right. All right. All right. One, one thing <laughs> about Altmaier. Um they were about to do a late campus tour with Dillingham, just, just Dillingham, Altmaier and his parents and Dillingham's running out of the building. Like his hair's caught on fire. Like he always is, you know, a mile, a hundred miles an hour. And he gets on the first golf cart. And I point out that the, t- the, the, um, right flat, the right front was flat. He hops on another one and that one was kind of flat. So, Dillingham does what he does, which is creates humor and distraction. And they get on another golf cart and they're all, they're about to go on their way. And, um, Altmaier's parents were kind of lagging behind and I hear his dad say something. And he goes, he said something about his sense of humor and, and having great intelligence. Um, and I just kind of picked up on what his dad said and I heard it. And then about two hours later, Altmaier's visit was done and Zach or Chris asked him about Dillingham. And this is a quote from, um, from Luke. He has such a great sense of humor. And I think people with great sense of humor have great intelligence. And that is something that stands out about him a lot. So obviously Luke heard this, heard his dad say this, agreed with it, and then repeated it in uh, the interview with us. And I think it goes to show you that it's just not Luke Altmaier that are kind of impressed and on board with the Florida State coaching staff but it's also his parents. And that's really important. If uh, a quarterback is going to commit to an out of state school, I must be a genius because I'm hilarious. Right guys. Uh, Josh, do you want to talk about the running back position for us? Uh, Keyshawn Spence commit as uh, Simeon price, I guess is kind of like a offensive weapon athlete type or a few of the names who were on campus. I'm not sure. I think you got at least one of the two, but, but I do no, know I got them both. Of, oh, both. Yeah, uh, both. I, I posted the Simeon price story on Sunday morning and the, Keyshawn Spencer story went up on Knowles 24 seven this morning. Both stories are free. So if you guys want to go check those out, they're up there. Um, let's get to Florida state commit Keyshawn Spencer. First, uh, I spoke to the Melbourne, uh, three-star running back and I didn't get the warmest of fuzzies with him. Um, he's definitely still committed. Uh, he, he, 
he ensured that um real quick josh can can fuzzies be anything other than warm there's no other yeah these fuzzies weren't necessarily cold but they were they were uh, lukewarm Lukewarm let's just put it to that okay so he came out and basically said that the coach norvell's message to him was that they want to keep building the bond they want to keep the relationship going they're going to come visit him in the spring he's definitely going to come back and visit them in the spring and his hope is that he remains a seminal uh, the, the, the last question I asked him was, you know, do you have any plans to check out any other schools? And he said, my focus is on FSU since I was in ninth grade. Hopefully it stays that way. And I think generally speaking, um, I think both FSU and Keyshawn hope that it stays that way. But if he's not the perfect fit for FSU, we already know that coach Norvell is not afraid to move on. All right. And then that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, price would be the other one from Pensacola. Yeah, uh, we we could have a Pensacola pipeline formed if uh, if these dominoes start falling. And Simeon oh, Price real, is a guy. Pensacola yeah, pipeline. Keyshawn Helton uh, hosted, and, and we'll get into it. Darian Williamson this past week. We'll get into Darian Williamson, but things are trending in a very positive direction right now for FSU. Darius Washington, also from Pensacola, hosted Robert Scott two weekends ago. Uh, Robert Scott, of course, we talked about committed. Uh, the Pensacola boys are doing work right now. It's good things for Florida state. Both have produced on the field as well. That's it. Sorry. Side note. No, it's all good. Um, so West Florida tech athlete, Simeon price. He's not, he's not ranked yet, but he does have, um, a bunch of offers and stuff. It will get to him in the spring and he's going to be probably my guess is a, a high three, low four star when he comes out. Um, he's an explosive athlete that kind of plays all over the field. And that's exactly where FSU likes him all over the field. He said that he spent a majority of his time with Coach Yak, and they spoke about playing. Uh, here's the quote from him. First thing that came out of Coach Yak's mouth was Percy Harvin. So running back slot, outside, jet sweep, just find a way to get me the ball on offense. I love being an athlete on offense, making plays. So he says FSU is definitely in his top five at this point. Um, the primary schools that he's keeping in contact right now are Oklahoma, Tennessee, Nebraska, and Virginia. Um, Price said he fully returned. He fully intends to return to FSU this spring, and he has not set a decision date. Couple uh, things on his athleticism, just to throw in there to speak on it. Nike Combine last year, the New Orleans stop. He was a Combine Challenge champion. Those numbers sometimes can be messed with because you know great Powerball throw, and you can kind of change the rankings. So yeah, you can mess with that. But he's also a Junior Olympian, and as of around this time last year when he won that achievement at the Nike event, he was top five in long jump nationally with a long jump of 22 feet. So his athleticism is really, really good. Like it's legitimate. They like their athletes and they like their versatility. That's become pretty clear uh, so far in the Norvell era. All right. Wide receiver. Uh, one guy we want to talk about and, and Zach, I'll throw this to you. That's Marcus Burke, a uh, high end four star wide receiver from Jacksonville. He was there what mo- or, uh, Monday, uh, Friday. Friday. It felt like the beginning of the week. Friday. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so um, sorry, that was my fault. That was sorry. Really I, stupid yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to keep going. But, no, uh, so basically, Florida State receivers coach Ron Dugans likes um, Marcus Burke a lot. He's out of Jacksonville. Um, he came on Friday, kind of in that afternoon hour. Um, left in the, in the, after, like later in the afternoon, got a tour on campus, talked to some of the coaches and watched the, um, conditioning from the players on Saturday, which is called the tour of duty drills. Um, and 
but he liked to visit a lot. He didn't get a chance to speak to coach Norvell. Um, cause I think coach Norvell was on the road, but, um, did, did get to meet with Dugans and I think he'll be back, uh, somewhat soon. I think, uh, he's visiting Auburn next weekend and it looks like, um, you know, Dugans is going to make him a big priority in this class. One thing to add to what Zach said is, yes, Dugans likes him a great deal. Met him at the door, was anticipating his arrival. reason he came on Friday and many kids missed on Saturday was because there were two seven-on-sevens in the state. He plays for Pro Impact, a team based out of Jacksonville. I believe they were playing in Orlando on Saturday. That eliminated the opportunity for him to come on Saturday. But he's interested enough that he made the extra drive over day early to get a three-, four-hour visit in on his own. Save my boy Brendan over here some talk, and I'll move on to offensive Dang, linemen. Probably a good decision. It was a uh, it was pleasant. There were five offensive linemen who all could help FSU on campus at the same time, and I would categorize at least three, if not four, of them as definite offensive tackle types. That group's led by Micah Morris, young man from Camden County over in Kingsland, Georgia, right over the state line there in the southeast corner of the Peach State. He he's a stud. He's one of the best in the country. He's a high four star. Probably will compete for five star status. He's a long-armed, athletic kid. He can do a little bit of everything. He's the kind of guy that you can build something with. Biggest note with him I would take away is, one, FSU made a big move. They weren't really in it before to visit a whole lot. They are certainly in it now, along with you know the best of the best. Alex Atkins has done a great job there. He got in on him early. He texted him immediately upon learning he would get the job at FSU, let him know he was interested. They've had a lot of communication since. Another big boy that was there, Micah Pettis. He's from Sparkman, Alabama. He's monstrous. He was truthfully part of the biggest guy there of any position. He, he just goes on for days height-wise, and he's just a big old boy. Michael Morris is a little bit more long and lean, and 300-plus isn't all that lean, but he is lean compared to Pettis, who's much more thick and filled out. Uh, Pettis loves FSU. He, he spoke in-depth about the Seminoles and some of their history over the last 20 years and just things. It, it wasn't a normal kid just kind of pandering to, oh, yeah, I'm at FSU. I'm going to talk about FSU. This was a kid who you could tell intently had watched the Seminoles for a period of time during his childhood and had a keen interest in him. He really, really liked it. I where, think they really like him. Sparkman. How is that? How far is that from Tuscaloosa? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. You know, I don't know. I, I'm Googling it. Top of my head, I want to say maybe near Birmingham, but I'm not sure offhand. Um, talented, talented kid. Now, two local Florida boys came over. Caleb Johnson, he's an offensive tackle. His teammate, Jake Slaughter, more of an interior guy, probably a center. They were both there. They've been there several times. I'll let Josh talk more about them because he spoke with both of them, and I know at least one of them fired off a pretty interesting comment about the old versus the new. And the last offensive tackle was Ja'Kai Leftwich, an up Peach State kid from up near Atlanta. He got offered during the visit. He's another kid. He's kind of built a little bit like a shorter Lloyd Willis is probably how I would best describe him. I think FSU likes him. I think they would like to keep building that relationship with him. I wouldn't put him on the same pedestal as a Micah Morris or a Micah Pettis. Sorry, I couldn't Google this quick enough where it is. Now. Yeah, no, I'll talk about Jake Slaughter real quick. I didn't speak with um, uh, Caleb. What's his teammate's name? Uh, Caleb. Caleb Johnson. I didn't. Did you, Zach? Yeah, I did. All right, let me talk about Slaughter real quick, and then you can speak on him. Um, Slaughter's an offensive center. Uh, he told me that's what Florida State likes him at. And like Chris said, he's been to campus before, didn't really prefer the old staff. Um, and this is he, – he's got a whole new outlook. Uh, here's a quote from the story. 
He told me there's a complete 180-degree turn in culture. It's a whole new focus on people. It's so different, and in my opinion, for the best. Um, Slaughter and Atkins really hit it off. He said that they talked for a while, uh, said he knows his stuff. He's the man. There's a free story up on Knowles 24-7. You guys can check it out. Uh, Slaughter said he'll be back for spring practice, really has no clue when he's going to make a decision. Right now, he's speaking mostly with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and UCF. Um, Florida is also starting to get involved in his recruitment as well. And yeah, then Caleb Johnson. Yeah, sir, go ahead. Yeah. Johnson. Sorry. So Sorry. Caleb Johnson. Okay, Brandon, keep, keep, keep it up. Um, but Caleb Johnson, uh, he, this is a chance for him to get a first meeting with um, offensive line coach Alex Atkins. Um, he was, you know, him and Jake Slaughter are teammates, so they were, they were together for the whole visit. Um, they both got a chance to sit down with Coach Norvell, and he kind of joked that they he wanted Caleb to put on some 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 more weight and to eat some more honey fried chicken. So he said that was funny, and that he he looks like he'll be back at FSU sometime for a spring practice in the coming months. And he told us the decision will likely occur during the course of his senior year. Zach's just salty because I got the crystal ball in first for Darian Williamson. Yeah, I yeah. Second. Okay. We literally had a slap fight over who would get it first. Uh, Zach, because your your time is limited here, we're going to skip over the defensive line and kind of work backwards for junior day. Uh, you spoke to both Amari Harvey and Terry and Arnold. Both are local defensive back prospects. Want to get your thoughts on those guys. And I know Harvey's I someone. I spoke to both of them. Oh, you spoke to them? Well, Chris lied to me. I'm sorry. Zach was very excited about local DBs. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead Zach. Zach. Knows, Zach knows both of them. He's talked yeah. to both of them before anyway. You yeah, can just play it along, sure. Josh. Yeah, so I talked. I actually talked to both of them, you know, after the visit, just on my own. Both of them really liked it. He did um, talk I talked to them. To them. No, 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 no. Not, not for the interview, just like through text and stuff afterwards. Um, but uh, Amari Harvey really liked the visit. Got a chance to meet with Coach Norvell. Norvell showed him a lot of attention on the visit. We saw when they were coming out for the tours um, of the dorms, Norvell was kind of having his arm around Omari Harvey's back and just giving him, you know, some words of wisdom right there. And then also he did the same for Terry on Arnold. Um, you know, both local guys, both prospects that definitely, you know, FSU should be in on. And I think uh, what's important here is just getting them on campus as much as possible. And I think Florida State will have a good shot. I think Omari Harvey was kind of, you know, not happy with how things went with the last stop towards the end there. Um, you know, and I think this kind of gave him a better, uh, a better feeling about Florida state, um, on this visit. Josh, since you spoke to both of them on record, would you have anything to add to that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I was just giving Zach a hard time. Um, Marcus Woodson did a great job with both of them. It was obviously Woodson's first time meeting them on Florida state's campus, not necessarily the first time he's interact with them. Cause when he was at Auburn, they kind of had a relationship as well. So they both noted how, how involved Marcus Woodson was. That's about it. Zach, we have you for three more minutes. One guy who you were in awe of physically and his, how just big he is is Xavion Sori, right? Yeah, man. He, he looks like a real, real deal you know, kind of five-star prospect, something that, something that you see in the SEC kind of. I think, you know, Florida State has its work cut out for them with him. Um, Alabama's going to be a big player there. This visit was great, getting him on campus. You know, anytime you get that kind of caliber of kid on campus is always good. This provided him an opportunity to meet new linebackers coach Chris Marv. Those two hit it off well on the visit. 
Um, he said he likes Coach Norvell. They got a chance to sit down and talk for a bit. I think, like I said, for Harvey and, uh, and Arnold, with a local kid, you know, he's at, he's at Graceville. So you just need to get him on campus as many times as possible, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. Just to add to that, I think Sori's probably best viewed as a linebacker as of right now. He's an athletic kid. He could play five, six spots on a football team. But I think based on what we observed on Saturday, FSU views him as a linebacker. It truthfully fits his skill set. He kind of, in some ways, he's different physically, but in the sense of his game developing him and developing and people knowing of him early, there's a little bit of Owen Popo going on there mm-hmm. where he kind of waited to see what is that guy going to become. And we're starting to see what Xavion that, uh, or Xavion that, uh, it appears he will likely end up a linebacker. All right. Now that knee has monopolized one of Zach's final three minutes, uh, <laughs> Zach, before, before I know you have to run before you go, I want to get to all the position groups. Didn't quite make it shocking, but I want to get your thoughts, man, on just the, the junior day in general and how things were, were run. And we'll get uh, Chris's and Josh's thoughts on that in a few minutes, but yours before you go. Yeah. So I guess Chris and Josh can kind of go into the specifics of what went down, but I guess I'll just, talk more big picture. I thought it was really well run. Um, everything was super efficient. There was really no waiting around for these prospects. They got in the door. The coaches were there to greet them right inside. Um, they talked for a bit and then, you know, the rest of the visit carried on. But I think it, it just shows that even with all these guys on pros- or on campus, the coaches were able to manage all of them, you know, make sure that the visits ran smoothly. And I think all of them got the most out of the visit. All right. Good stuff, dude. Thanks for all your hard work this weekend. Now hang up. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's go back into kind of sort of order. We're almost done with the junior day and wrapping up this segment. Uh, Marquise Robinson, defensive tackle. Josh, I believe you spoke with him. Am I guessing correctly there? No, I did. I, I got up with Marquise Robinson. Big, imposing body. Um, He was there to kind of hang out with Coach Odell. He's a four-star defensive tackle from Milton, Florida. Uh, He's been to Florida State a couple times and has really developed a relationship with Coach Odell. You can tell when Odell kind of gets his hooks on the the recruits, they start saying things that I've heard over the years. And um, Odell's got one in Robinson. He's also involved with Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Ohio State. Um, didn't want to name a leader at first, but things started going on and, um, he, he just was gushing over his visit. And toward the end, I said, uh, you know, do, do you have a leader? And he goes, um, I grew up an FSU fan. I could say FSU is my leader. And he repeated that. And, uh, he said, FSU is his leader out of FSU, Auburn, Alabama, and Ohio state. He, he kept saying that, Ohio at one point. So I was like, man, this kid's a big Bobcats fan. <laughs> yeah, he kept saying Ohio. So when he finally gave me that like final four or the uh, top four, I said, do you mean Ohio State? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I should have known that he meant Ohio State. I was just like, like Chris said, we, we don't want to have FSU, Auburn, Alabama in the Ohio Bobcats in his yeah. top five. Yeah, um, he's, he told me a final decision will come mid season of his senior senior year. So he's in no rush to decide he'll be back for summer wants to work with Odell on the football field as well. Uh, he's the number 20 ranked defensive tackle in the country and the 263rd best player overall. Did you say a good chuckle? Yeah. Think about everyone that, you know, who's uses the phrase chuckle. You're the youngest one. Probably. Okay. 
I'm good with it. All right. A couple other big body defensive linemen that were there. One, Josh Farmer. We talked a good bit about him earlier. He committed on the day. Pretty cool. He enjoyed it. It was a good moment for all of those with him. Another one was Sean Bray Jackson. He actually wasn't there Saturday. He came Sunday. He was the last guy on campus on a very long weekend. Um, I think we got out of building about 6 p.m. yesterday after about 40 hours of sitting around the moor. He, uh, Talented Orlando, Florida, Boone kid, big body, strong side, defensive end type. He's been here several times for games, for camps. Most interesting thing of the conversation was twofold. One, he definitely likes the new staff. He kind of indicated to him that he was interested in FSU, and they've been very aggressive since that. Secondly, he kind of very much indirectly took a shot at the old staff on a question that wasn't even like, a table setter for him taking a shot at the old staff. It just sort of happened. He just, it was pretty clear. He had a fairly low opinion of the old staff and the way they went about recruiting him versus how this staff has in the last month. I thought that was pretty interesting. He's a kid that if FSU can win some on the field, I think they have a very good shot at. He's a kid that said he, that's the main thing he's still looking for from FSU is how they do on the field. Oh, I told you, I when I muted the freaking microphone, I said, you guys just keep talking about defensive players and we'll wrap it up. Linebackers, Jesus. <laughs> All right, linebacker, I'm going to talk about personal favorite, Brandon Jennings. He's baby monster, monster Bradley Jennings' son. Uh, BJ, who's at Miami, is his older brother. Brandon is built like pops. He's a big, physical, intimidating, mean dude. I've seen him play a bunch of games in the last couple of years. Watched him twice in person last year and once on the tube. I thought in all three games he was the best player on the field. He played with Jeff Sims, Derek Bermudez, a lot of other D1 guys on his squad. Played against some D1 guys. He consistently was the best guy I watched. He's around the ball. He'll knock you off your kneecaps. He'll just play some football the way it's supposed to be played at the linebacker position. He's an FSU legacy they have to prove some things on the field. They have to recruit him effectively, but he's a kid that's always had interest in the Seminoles. A couple other linebackers. I didn't talk to Ian Jackson. Uh, our buddy Zach did. No. Ian got offered by FSU during the visit. I don't know a great deal about him. And then Melvin Jordan, FSU commitment 2022 kid, he came. He was a kid that was very close to Coach Woody, so this was an opportunity for him to build a relationship with Chris Marv, learn about this staff in FSU. I wouldn't compare it to Keyshawn Spencer in a sense where, you know, the lack of warm fuzzies, but he's definitely someone who's very open to the process despite his commitment. And he said that both on Twitter and in person and in interviews and on record. So, you know, he, he's going to go about it. I think he liked Marv. I think he enjoyed the visit. I think he was intrigued by the staff, but he's going to be a guy that if he ends up at FSU, they're going to have to recruit him to FSU. Josh, you were impressed with Chris. Chris mentioned Chris Marv. You were impressed with Marvin, his energy on, on the weekend, right? Like, didn't he stand out to you? I think he was yeah, definitely. As um, he was one of the guys that I saw with Brandon Jennings a lot with Xavier Sorry. Um, definitely spending the right amount of time with the right players. And that's something you got to watch when you got 35, 40 guys on campus. You know, of course, everybody's going to get some of your attention, but where are you spending the majority of your time? And I think he spent it with the right guys uh, to add I did speak with Brandon Jennings and just to add, here's what he told me about where FSU stands after the visit. He said, quote, FSU is definitely among top of my list. They're definitely one of the top schools on my list, along with Clemson, Ohio state, Wisconsin, a lot of them right now. It's early. My recruitment is open and FSU is a part of that. Are we sure it's not the Ohio Bobcats? Definitely. Bobcats. Bobcat he's the 30, I'm sorry, the fourth ranked inside linebacker in the country and the 39th best player overall. He's a little bit out of the Ohio Bobcat League. Uh -huh, if you say so. All right. 
I think he's a guy that's going to compete for five star status. But I'm a homer when it comes to him. I've known his dad forever, and and you love your Jacksonville. I boys do, but I, I think Jennings is a hell of a football player. I love watching him play football. Yeah, he's a badass. I'll, I'll wrap this up on Junior Day real quick from a player perspective. Two other DBs we didn't mention: Dink Jackson. He's an athlete, but I think FSU would recruit him as a DB. I know he talked to Marcus Woodson during the visit. Former Florida commitment, South Florida kid, uh, Southwest Florida kid. He liked it a lot. Dad's actually an FSU fan, so the visit was nice for him to kind of get up here and see it for himself. And now I want to Marion Cooper, another Southwest Florida kid. He likes FSU a hell of a lot. I think FSU likes him a lot. I don't know if they're quite ready to greenlight him. If he wanted to be greenlighted, that would be kind of the interesting dynamic with him. He came to Saturday Night Live, liked FSU a lot, worked out really well at that camp. I think the staff likes him. I'm interested to see if they just want to see him in the spring in person before they go all in. All right, so so outside of a few flat tires, uh, literally, uh, for my— But they had six golf carts, so they were prepared. <laughs> they were ready for it. From what I can gather, I was not there Saturday. I helped out a little bit on Sunday. You guys were there all day on Saturday. Uh, one of our message boarders dropped off some pizza for you guys, which was pretty clutch. Much appreciated. Uh, vegan-ass Josh could I eat it, though. I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the outside— justice. I told him to just put the salad on the pizza and eat it. You could take the cheese off. Yeah, yeah that would have worked fine. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> outside of the flat tires, uh, Josh, this was really your first time to see the staff operate in its full glory. Curious to get your thoughts on on how Junior Day was operated, given the amount of kids who who were there. Yeah, and by the way, Saturday was like one of those vintage days of being on Knowles twenty four seven. There was so much action; it was uh, it, it just it flew by. But I got to the moor at seven oh five a.m. first player on the bench or first person on the bench. I shouldn't call myself a player. The entire on-field coaching staff was already inside the Moore center. And, you know, in those moments, a couple of GAs and off-field guys straggled in, but for the most part, they were inside prepared, ready to roll. I don't even know what time, but before 7 a.m. Check-in started roughly about 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Most of the kids started arriving in that hour and Florida state had a good presence outside uh, they were working the phones. They were waving people down, making sure you know they they drove around to the Bobby Bowden statue, and it was frigid. Uh, temps were down, but the energy was high. Credit to all the FSU on-field staff and off-field staff. Uh, they just did a great job. No doors were locked. As a matter of fact, there was actually signs on the doors. Um, on one side, it was like A through J, and then on the other side of the doors, it was the other alphabet. And then when you walked inside of the Moore Center. The uh, the it was prepared very well. They had three tables. It was kind of like a like a U shaped um, situation going on, and they were getting kids registered, getting their lanyards, and we saw something different than we had seen in the past. They had a a little mini sticker printer, and instead of having a majority, they used to have the majority of the lanyards ready to go and made. And then they'd have um, a bunch of blank lanyards that they'd use a Sharpie pen to kind of fill in any unexpected yes, relatives, or, or things like that. So instead, this year, it was all uniform. Everybody had a um, printed sticker decal on their lanyard. I thought that went a long way in, in kind of making things run a little bit smoother, but also just the way registration went. So once they were inside, they broke the kids up into the recruits up into offense and defense. And the defense went on a campus tour. They all hopped on the bus. Coach Norvell hopped on with them. I'm sorry, the offense went out first. The defense stayed back. I believe they watched the highlight tape first in the big meeting room, and then they probably went on tour of the locker room, facilities, weight room, and all that kind of stuff. And then they switched. Right at noon, they switched. 
Um, the tours last about an hour, hour and a half. They were all back to the Moore facility around 1.30. I believe that was the time. And the departures began. Uh, I believe everybody was probably off of campus by three. And in the meantime, Coach Norvell and the staff were were meeting everybody one-on-one as, as each group or each uh, recruit departed campus. It was well-run. It was smooth. It was efficient. Chris and I talked about the number of prospects there. Chris, you want to talk about why that was important? Well, there were about 30 kids there. I thought to add some to what Josh was talking about, I thought it was very impressive that one, when they were greeted coming in, you know, it would be guys that were support staff type, usually initially greeting them in the parking lot as they're approaching the Bowden statue. But whether it was between there and the door, right after getting in the door, they usually met up with a position coach. You know, they, they go through some compliance stuff and sign in and check in, just stuff that East Standard have to do. And then the position coach would almost spend one-on-one time with them hanging around the moor, the base of the moor, looking at the statues, the banners and stuff before they moved them on their way. And then on the back end of the visit, I noticed a lot of times when a kid would come down from the elevator from presumably meeting with Coach Norvell or in the offices with the coaches, they would then meet with another coach in the lobby, be walked out to the door. But the meeting in the lobby had intent. It wasn't just like, thanks for coming, let's go. It usually there was a personal conversation. I just felt like attention to detail was impressive. Like it existed. It was very well organized, very efficient. It ran on time. The you know, they kept the trains running. It never felt like, oh, man, like these kids are floundering, doing nothing, didn't have wasted time. I talked to a couple parents, a couple coaches that brought kids. Everybody that was part of it said they were impressed. Talked to guys who had been at the old versus the new, and a lot of them said that this group just very much has an intent purpose. There's very direct communication about what they're doing. It wasn't that it was like strict and no fun. It was just that it wasn't all about fun. It was also about we're trying to win football games. Fit and family are two things that FSU's pushing a lot. Those are two, uh, I guess you could say, bullet point. Fits, F-I-T? Fit okay. and family, which I think for fit, it's do you fit the program? Does the program fit you? And for family, it's if you're part of this, you're part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, those things were kind of the overbearing tones of some of what they were doing. But I thought it was very, very impressive, very well organized. Guys that they expected to come showed up. Uh, we had maybe three, four no-shows of guys that we had on our list of expectations. There weren't a whole lot of straggling on additions that just showed up that aren't guys that FSU are going to recruit. So the guys that are in the building are the guys they want in the building. And that, that's important. If You have you can have a junior day with 150 kids, but if you only have 30 you want, then you have 120 guys wasting your time. Or if you have a junior day where you want 30 kids and you only get 20, then you're doing a poor job of getting them on campus. I'm sure FSU would have valued having more. But they had what they wanted and what they could get with the consideration of two seven-on-sevens on the, in the state. And we've had a lot of kids tell us they're coming in March, March 7th being the specific date, that are other guys we know they've pursued since they got here. Is that everything on the junior day? I'm, I'm looking at my invisible wristwatch, and we have 15 more minutes with Christopher Knee. It's a very tight schedule today. There's a lot of things going on for everyone. We good on junior day? I think yeah, so. I, think that's I, I was impressed for, for I I'll put it this way. I didn't think, man, they can do such a better job next time, or man, I would change this next time. There wasn't a lot of that for me observing it. Yeah. I think it was a start. Um, Obviously, you want to continue to see the caliber of player increase, um, but you got to, you know, you got to start somewhere. Florida State has a tall task to kind of return recruiting to where it was just a couple years ago. 
But this was a good start. Like Chris said, a lot of the organization and efficiency is going to go a long way. They back it up with some wins. This type of recruiting weekend will go, you know, it'll, it'll, these will turn into big recruiting weekends down the road. Good stuff, guys. Let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side of it, we have a few recruiting tidbits. We want to recap the official visits from this weekend, do a quick preview of official visits for this upcoming weekend, but not give it all away. And we'll give Chris about a minute of basketball. So stay tuned and uh, we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. As promised, Christopher, I'm going to give you one minute of basketball because we're super duper. I'm not even joking this time. One minute on basketball because time is of the essence. Recruiting and basketball or just basketball? Just basketball. All right. <laughs> they only played one game last week, Notre Dame at home, 85-84 before packed house at the Donald L. Tucker Center. It should not have been a one-point game. FSU was largely in control most of that game. They really faltered in the last 90 to 100 seconds. A couple bad inbounds, Raekwon Gray handling those. Just didn't go well. They didn't close out very well, which is kind of weird. They're usually a very good closing team. I think some of it was they truthfully looked a little tired. I think there was an adrenaline dump going on in the house. 8 p.m. tip. There was a lot of energy in that building. And Notre Dame is a pest. They've lost, I think, nine games, but they've lost, or I'm sorry, I think they've lost eight games, but six of them are by combined 14 points. <laughs> so they're not a team that's particularly bad. They're also not particularly that good, but they know who and what they are. Best part of the evening, though, Mike Bray post game, losses ever loving mine for about a minute and 10 seconds. Zach got the whole thing on video. It was glorious. I hate ACC officials. He does too, apparently. I just don't have to pay $20,000 to voice my he opinion. Always, I had to, I it had, was over the top, and his team shot more free throws. It wasn't necessary. I had to cover him like 10 years ago as a freelancer somewhere, yeah. and he was. Bitching about officiating. He was complaining about a walk that was a walk, so it should have been called. The officiating stunk in that game. It's not why Notre Dame won. It's not why FSU – or I'm sorry. It's not why Notre Dame lost, and it's not why FSU won. But it was still humorous nonetheless. By that point, I was kind of punch drunk. I'd been going since 5 a.m. that day, and this is like 11 p.m. It was – I enjoyed it. it. All right. All right. We'll get to to basketball recruiting stuff at some point, but uh, not today. Not today. And plus, I don't. There were two official visitors. <laughs> Real quick, I don't have much on them because they left this morning. They came in Saturday okay. morning. Who, they who were they? People would like Musa Sissi, one of the best power forwards in the country. Got at Leonard Hamilton. Love long, lean, bouncy shot blocker, rebounder. Can do it all. Bryce McGowan's. He's the younger brother of Trey McGowan's at Pitt, but he stands on his own. Excellent basketball player, top fifty kid. He uh, he's one that I feel pretty good about FSU having a good shot at with the sissy kid. I'm not near sure. I just don't have a good read on that recruitment. I haven't spoken to either of them with the conclusion of the visit, hoping to do that. And when I get more, we'll have more. Okay. Thanks. You nice let me feed. You let me feed it. Did you call him a sissy kid? No, it's Musa Sissy. C I S S E is his last name. Fighting words. We have recruiting tidbits. A few of them, Joshua. I'm going to throw this to you because you're more or less connected to all three of these, and you've reported on all of them. First off, disappointing news: Devin Cochran, the uh, the Vanderbilt offensive mm-hmm. tackle grad transfer. Uh, I want to fill us in on where he ended up. It's not not Florida State. Yeah, disappointing, but not surprising. Devin sure. Cochran, graduate transfer, offensive tackle from Vanderbilt. He will enroll at Georgia Tech. This is something that we spoke about on the podcast, and I said that Tech was involved. He's got a mother. I never got clarification on exactly what she does, but she works in education in the Atlanta area. And when he first hit the transfer portal, Georgia Tech was kind of one of the teams that we were told to watch out for. And in the end, that's exactly who it is. So moving on, Malachi Weidman, he made it to Oregon over the weekend. 
I was told um, just after we recorded the podcast on Friday, so I don't think it made it in, but FSU is expected to visit him this week. I don't have an exact date. I'll probably get that later today or tomorrow. But Mike Norvell and uh, Kenny Dillingham, Ron Dugans, they're expected in. But I've also been told that Coach Hamilton could possibly make it in on the visit as well. So that would be an interesting development. It's not for sure yet. But somebody close to Weidman told me that um, Ham could be in there as well. So that, that confirms the visit won't be Tuesday because FSU basketball plays Tuesday. Right. I was told probably Wednesday or Thursday was when the Weidman visit was going to take place with Norvell. Interesting. Um, this morning on Knowles 24-7, we broke, we broke some big news that Alex Atkins was in California on Sunday night visiting with UCLA guard transfer Chris Murray. Uh, this was an interesting move when Chris Murray decided to put himself in the portal. You see, he started every game the past two years for UCLA and was a big piece to their offensive line moving forward. He's not a tackle, but he has some versatility. He could play guard or center. Um, he has three years to play two, meaning he has two years of eligibility and a red shirt if needed. And he might need that red shirt because if he cannot get a waiver wherever he transfers, he'll have to sit out a year. So if he does have to sit out a year, that means once he's eligible, he'll have two years to play. Um, spoke to a good source um, that is familiar with his recruitment or his transfer, I should say. And he told me that uh, Florida State's kind of the might be the favorite here. So. I'm working on getting up with Chris Murray. Haven't had a chance to talk to him just yet, but I have reached out. So check back for at Knowles 24 seven for more. And for those who like the, uh, the PFF stuff, uh, Chris Murray was 58 overall this season, which is just like a touch below average. So uh, produces a slightly below average power five interior offensive lineman. I think Florida state would take below average at this point, especially he's gotten better from his first year to his second year and actually ended the year on a pretty good streak too. So uh, moving in the right direction for his career trajectory. There were two official visits this weekend. We were there. I was there to help out with those two, just provide emotional support, uh, do a little bit of interviewing as well. Christopher, you were, well, let's go over the two of them, both from Haywood high in Tennessee, both recruited by David Johnson, coach Yak. Uh, and, and both guys, we feel like, uh, are trending in the right direction for Florida State. That's three-star athlete, uh, wide receiver, Darian Williamson. And then unranked currently, but probably will be ranked soon, tight end Mark Markeeson or Markison. We, we're trying to figure it out. Markison, he said? Douglas. Sounds, sounds good. God Markeeson knows I'm Douglas. not the man to ask about pronunciations. <laughs> but you got you got Douglas. Uh, uh-huh. he, he was a, uh intriguing prospect because he's a former basketball player start playing high school football this past year. Yeah. Talk to him a little bit about that. Yeah. Six foot five, 255. He spent a ton of time attached at the hip with coach Thompson really liked him. I think the biggest takeaway that I had was that he believes coach Thompson can mold him into a really good football player doing what his body and his skill set allows him to be, which I think is appealing to him with FSU. Michigan State's already the only other one in this one right now. They had him on campus last week, and they have offered. He's going to choose between those two. He told me he had no plans for this coming weekend. And then Williamson, what, 24 hours after the visit, he names FSU as a top school, as the top school for him. Uh, at the time, uh, Zach asked him if he was still committed to Tennessee. He said, yes, right now I am. He also said that he couldn't make his decision this week coming up. 
Now, he does have a official visit to Arkansas set up uh, for this upcoming weekend. I've asked him, I've reached out to see if he is still planning to do that. I say that because within 24 hours after this official visit, he decommitted from from Tennessee. Uh, I went ahead and put in the crystal ball for Florida State. Zach did as well as we joked about. Uh, did you guys put in your crystal balls? I put mine in today as soon as he decommitted. I've actually put I put it in for both prospects at that time when Williamson decommitted. They both, we didn't want to bang the drum of this narrative, but they're both from the same high school. And Williamson did say it'd be a dream come true. Like that's what you grew up wanting to do is to, to your friends to keep playing with them as long as possible. And that's something that he would love to do. Bodes well for Florida State based on their dynamic, their relationship with Coach Johnson. There's a lot of things pointing right now saying that the likelihood is they will end up at Florida State. Douglas told me that there's a connection between his high school's head coach, which is Chris Smith, and uh, Coach Norvell. Mm -hmm. He said they played together at Central Arkansas. I tried to research that on rosters. Not sure. But there's some tie there where there's the ability to gather information with a lot of depth. It's not normal, hey, coach, I'm trying to sell you on these kids. It's a relationship and a bond. That probably allowed FSU to partly get in the door in addition to Yak having the ties from previously being at Tennessee. I did have one observation I wanted to throw along to you guys, and this kind of goes in line with what you saw on Saturday with the buttoned-up approach from this coaching staff, the organization for the visits. I'm not sure if you saw this, Chris, but but when Douglas and Williamson both arrived on campus, it was cold on Sunday morning as well. Maybe not as much as Saturday, but it was dreary. It was windy. It was chilly. They get there at around 9 o'clock or so on Sunday morning to finish up the final leg of the official visit. And they go ahead with their family members, sit in one of the golf carts. Coach Johnson arrives right around when they did too. As he's walking into the building, uh, he, he looked cold. He goes over to one of the uh, recruiting like administrators and, and tells her, hey, it's really cold outside. These guys are sitting on the cart. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable for them to be going around campus on the cart. Can we put them in cars, please? And she's like, yeah, we, we can figure that out. And, and, and that little attention to detail to me spoke volumes about he's the recruiting coordinator for the staff, what the staff is all about. To, to go ahead and just have the foresight to say, yeah, we don't want to spend the next hour and a half with our guys being uncomfortable, just sensible. It was really refreshing to see. Just added to me to the kind of warm fuzzies that we've had with with this coaching staff, with, with their ability to kind of see the attention to detail. I thought that was cool. All right, last thing we want to get to, a quick sneak peek into official visits. We'll do a podcast later in the week. We're planning on to go into what we expect to be a pretty active weekend for Florida State. Uh, can we go ahead and say this at, at this point now? TJ Davis, yep. official visit. I really like his film. Three-star defensive end from Georgia. Uh, another guy who, a uh, three-star prospect who looks really interesting as well. Sydney Williams from uh, Vigor, Alabama. That's by Mobile. Uh, so those are two guys that have kind of emerged in pretty lately uh, as, as possible takes under the radar guys. Have you both got a chance to take a look at them, and what are your thoughts on those two? I've not watched Sydney's film yet. Um, obviously, you've been pretty busy this week. I have watched TJ's. I like TJ's a good bit. I've actually talked to somebody that's very familiar with TJ. They love him, and it's not an FSU person. It's just somebody that knows Georgia football and said, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be physical, off the edge, be around the ball, just kind of muck things up, he's an excellent, excellent player for that. His team made a pretty deep run this year. They're not a very talented team. He guided that ship. It's what the guy told me. That's interesting. He and you could see that from the film that he's all over the place. I have noticed the staff puts an emphasis on guys who uh, make plays on special teams. Not a surprise, maybe given Norvell's tendency to do that. 
Uh, Josh, do you have any uh, any insight into the official visitors or anything you want to add as we're wrapping this up? Uh, the Sydney Williams offer kind of reminded me of of Nate Andrews when Jeremy Pruitt arrived. I have a feeling that Sydney Williams was kind of a guy that Marcus Woodson really liked, had his name in his back pocket, but couldn't really pull the trigger to Auburn due to numbers or some other variables. But once he got to FSU and they see that you know oh we might be in the market for another defensive back, I think Sydney Williams made a lot of sense. So. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, this weekend is kind of just tying up loose ends. We're going to still continue to track down and, and, and watch to see if Dejon Edwards is coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Abrams drain becomes really interesting if Malachi Weidman goes elsewhere. So no, you know, we'll see what happens. Jalen St. John, big offensive tackle, even though they added Rob Scott this week, it'd be, it, it sure would be nice to add another one, especially a uh, caliber of Jalen St. John. Uh, one other thing we want to talk about real quick is guys who visited elsewhere this past week. And I think Donovan Kaufman would be the main one. Chris, I'll, I'll throw that to you. Yeah. Donovan Kaufman, Vanderbilt commitment went to Old Miss this weekend. Old Miss beat out Baylor to get the official. It's his fifth and final official. That's going to be an FSU Old Miss decision. I believe I'd be surprised if he sticks with Vanderbilt. Truthfully, I felt real good about FSU standing going into that visit. Old Miss is really pushing hard. There's some confidence on Old Miss side. So I don't want to mislead people. I think it's still a decision to be made to put it true uh, where it is this very moment. Malachi Weidman, Josh, of course, is covered. I believe you spoke about him earlier in the pod. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else. Where did Dejon Edwards, Josh mentioned him? Did he He end up at Georgia? He ended up at Georgia, yes. Georgia official visits are tough to track down because they have so many kids sometimes. But, yeah, he was at Georgia. He doesn't talk, man. It's been brutal trying to get information out of him recently. He's just – if you don't go get them in person, very tough to get much out of them. Well, drive your ass up to Clark. I, I may, but Georgia's a weird deal right now. They're they're in the I was gonna use limbo, but for my boy Kip Adams, I might use hell of dealing with Zach Evans and trying to figure out what's going on there. Thank God that hell didn't come to Tallahassee for me and Josh have to deal with I'm talking to recruitment, not the kid. Um, the recruitment's a you know, it's it's a difficult one to kind of decipher. There's people that think Tennessee's in it. He might visit USC, Georgia's in it, he might get a visit. He signed with Georgia, they released him. I mean, it's just nuts. So there's some belief Georgia's still after him. If they get him, I don't know if they can take Edwards just from a number standpoint, but I think Edwards is sort of one B to his one A as a backup plan. And truthfully, I mean, they might get to the point where they just take the guy they know they didn't get. And we, I, and we don't know where Edwards stands, where Florida State, vice versa, where yeah. Florida State stands for Edwards. And, I've and never gotten the, the, other way around the feeling that the new staff is as interested in Edwards as the prior staff was for much of his recruitment. That seems that way. And, and the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is a little crystal ball action. Josh, you peer pressured Chris into putting in some crystal balls. Recently, Chris, you actually put in a uh, Dejon Edwards to Georgia one today. I did, and that's just mainly based on uncertainty and the belief that he might end up being Georgia's guy. Um, we'll see this weekend if he gets in here. Yeah, I'm allowed to change it. Get over if you don't like that. Ooh. Any crystal ball watch for you, Josh? No. He's, he's smiling over Chris's sassiness with the crystal balls. <laughs> it's like watching your kids grow up. Josh is still angry at him putting Robert Scott to him, and he told me to. Yeah. You should listen to me. I'm a visionary. Uh, no, I'm good. You know, we'll see what happens this weekend. I, I don't know. All right. I don't have any any wild predictions yet. We'll we'll wait till later in the week. 
Yeah, as we see things come together with the official visit weekend. It will be interesting because we're also expecting unofficial visits with 2021 kids to also be pretty prominent, too. We'll get you guys more names with that. And and as Chris and Josh and Zach go ahead and tie down names for official visits for the weekend, uh, we'll have a podcast later in the week. All right. For On the Bench, this is Brendan Sinone. Uh, Chris, Josh, Zach, wherever he is now, thank you for uh, for joining me today. Guys, thank you for listening. As always, five-star reviews. Not too, please.